we can never get enough of Martin Sheen chewing scenery. And so he's got to come back in. <laughs> he just um, like and- bursts into the room like the fucking Kool-Aid man every time. Right. And he's just like in that room, owning that room. You're like, Jesus, man, you're too much. Back off. You know, it's like the like the epitome of like guys who overspread on the subway. Like he's just like, you know what I mean? They're- Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, Gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror movie notebook to corrupt another one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. My mission is to learn the gospel of horror movie survival and to incorporate Julia's wealth of wisdom to become a final girl disciple. Join us as we take a deep dive into everything from OG horror to newly released films, but preferably classics on VHS. We'll talk about obscure details that no one else notices. Spin off into alternate casting universes, crush on some dodgy, foxy fellows, and creepy uncles, and arm ourselves with the knowledge necessary to become the the final girl. Hey there, Disco Citizens. Welcome to another week of Horror Movie Survival Guide. I am your host, Terry, along with your other host, Julia. And this week we are talking about 1976's The Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane. Title of this episode is This Is My House. And the tagline for this movie, I like this one. Ask her no questions, she'll tell you no lies. Ask her too many and somebody dies. Ooh, it's nice. And they did it in a poem because her father uh, is supposed to be a poet. So yes, and also sounds a little nursery rhymey, right? And uh-huh. like she's little and uh, gives you a little bit of, a, of a, but not too much. So this was based on on mm-hmm. the novel uh, by Laird Koenig, who also adapted his novel into a screenplay. I would like to read this novel. Uh, I really like this film, so I'm sure the novel is cool, especially if it's adapted by that author right it's usually right. A, a better good way to do it and true to story yeah mm-hmm. so this is directed by nicholas gessner so here i'm going to blow your mind here terry so this year cast your mind back we weren't alive there but, but then but pretend we were uh 1976 sure. jodie foster yeah, in the- this one year these are the movies she did little okay. girl who lives down the lane mm-hmm. freaky friday mm-hmm. bugsy malone mm-hmm. and taxi driver Holy mother freaking, what a powerhouse. She is one of the most talented, regardless of age, actors, like, ever. Like, that is quite a year. Yeah. I mean, all of those things are, like, I think, touchstones, like, I don't know, of of cinema for us, I think, at least. Like, like a, a, I think we've, we've seen all the other ones, I think. Um, and this was the first time I had seen this one. Um yeah, because wow. Freaky, Freaky Friday was the first time I had seen her as a kid. And oh, I yeah. really liked well, that's her the, there. That's the one they're right. going to let us watch as children. Sure. So I watched that movie many times. And I'm, I was I was an extra in the remake with Lindsay Lohan. No. Um, Were you? <laughs> yeah. I was, yeah. <laughs> that's I one of my first that. like extra, extra acting gigs that I remember doing. Um, I was in I was in the classroom, like sitting behind her, like taking some like whatever, like test or whatever. And I remember they filmed that out in Malibu, one of the high schools out that way, Pacific Palisades. And anyway that's yeah amazing uh yeah, yeah jodie foster uh, you know she seems to have been born an adult as far as i can tell because she, she she doesn't seem like a kid at all like she's so smart that she's just on your level you know and i think that's she's what makes her such a good actor brilliant person she's also very kind of helped her once in my lifetime as as, as a sales lady um Aww. she was very sweet and she's just this tiny little thing and you're just like oh my god but you're so powerful and she's mm-hmm. just this not a not a not like a little wisp of a person and yeah. just like so much energy and strength 
Sure. Just and amazing. You, and you look at the difference in those four roles that I just listed and they're just mm -hmm. light years apart. And the she range. nails every single one. Like, the oh, range. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be this uh, sultry lady in a speakeasy. Yeah. But also <laughs> here, I'm going to be a teenage prostitute. Like insane, insane. So we meet Rin, our main character. This is Jodie Foster. She is lighting her own birthday cake in an amazing caftan. Uh, and it, she has it's one- Halloween. It's Halloween night. She has one nice, we get one nice moment from Rin in the beginning of this movie before it all starts to go down where that's she it. looks at herself in the mirror and she's just like, you're 13, happy birthday. Like that's, you get, you get one moment with her and then it all goes wrong because uh, you Martin get that Sheen, exposition that she's 13, happy birthday. And like, yeah. oh, she's still a child and you don't see any adults at this house. No one else is there with her for a party. It's, it's a solo birthday party, which is yes, happy, but also kind of, kind of depressing. Yes. So th there is a banging at the door and she quickly goes over and uh, smokes a bit of a cigarette to waft the smoke scent in the room, puts it in the ashtray uh, and then goes open the door. And Martin Sheen, I've seen Martin. Sheen, I mean, Martin Sheen can be terrifying. I've seen him in the dead zone. Like I know he does it well, but in this mm -hmm. movie, holy wow, I didn't know he could go this creepy. And he's. Oh, come on. No, I didn't. I mean, I know he plays like sleazy politicians really well. Oh, yeah. But I've never seen him go full pedo. And I was like, damn, though, Martin Sheen taking this role is a risk. Right. And he takes yeah. it and he does it. Um, he really commits to it. And he comes blazing in talking about uh, Halloween and trick or treat. My kids are over. Well, I, I'm Mr. Hallett and my mom went to the house and just like bombarding her. And you can tell she just wants him out. She does not want to talk to this He's man. a personal space invader, right? Yeah. Like he's a l literal personal space invader, uninvited guest, pushes his way in um and just bullies her you know and just like and finds all these little little things like as he's it's just like a it's, it's this awful like weaving in and out he does of her like just like oh is that bother you okay i'm gonna go a little further right there oh i'll pop yeah. right out right before it becomes too uncomfortable but then like he turns left again and just goes right back in, in another way and it's just like the tete-a-tete -tete that they have in the scene it is yeah wildly uncomfortable it is and you know she's trying to be very pleasant because she really Realizes she's going to be in this house for a while and she her sons are outside here are some pieces of birthday cake for your sons um and this moment where she hands him the birthday cake and the way he touches her hands she yes. just is like nope immediately she gets it yep. instantaneously and she's like nope it's backs away and she's like get At least out she's got that she, instinct though because yeah. it's like some you know if if it wasn't this particular child or like Jody freaking Foster, you know, like powerhouse of well, that she is like in this moment, it could feel it could read very differently, too. But the fact that she's so hip to his game right away and it's just like, no, dude, like you are a creeper. Don't trust you. Don't want you around me. Don't touch my hands. Don't be around. But the fact that she's unfortunately now connected to this guy because his mother um, who we find out later is also just as much a personal space invader. And you're like, yep. oh, apples and trees, kids. Um, you know, genetics are real, I guess. Um, and um, she, you know, is going to end up, unfortunately, having to be connected to this family because she's rented this house from them. Yeah. And, you know, he keeps telling her how pretty she is and touching her and like, you know, her hair and just like, please, it's yeah, really, really comfortable. And he keeps talking about having two kids. And I was oh. like, where are your two kids? I don't and believe these kids are your kids. He mm -hmm. fucking spanks her. Yeah. And he's like, oh, it's for your birthday. And you're like, Jesus, it's so hard so fast. And I'm, I mean, I haven't read the book, as I said, but I'm sure there's this takes some time. But like, it's like within a couple of minutes, like, this is the movie. Here we go. They've like launched you right into it. And you're just as uncomfortable as she is. Um, and so when he finally, she finally 
gets him out and his kids are there he for a while there i was like i don't think he has kids at all i think that's a fucking lie and he's just saying that and then like, i was like are those the neighbor's kids or like was like are those kids he saw trick-or-treating down the the lane like i wasn't sure either if like those were made up kids and he was just like all right like i saw those kids right there here's some here's some cake for you guys uh, yeah. He shows up the next day when she's walking into town to just conveniently give her a lift and just reaches over and opens the door for her. And she says, nope, walks right around that. So, you know, and, and this is why it's such brilliant casting, because you need someone like Rin who you realize like she's way above everybody else's game and she knows what she's doing. She's so on top of it. So she goes she's to the, the bank. smartest kid in the room. Yeah, yeah, she is. And and she you believe that from Jodie Foster. Like, yeah, she's gonna mm-hmm. be smarter than everybody and uh mm-hmm. most of the adults as well. Uh so she goes to the bank, she has a safety deposit box where she gets out some traveler's checks, um, but is very careful to get the paper back with a signature on it and tear it up because she doesn't want any records of anything. So you're like and this is great because this, you know, the title itself gives you the idea that there's something wrong with her right like there's there's something dodgy about what she's doing but we don't know what and it was fascinating to me because i you know as a viewer trying to figure out what it was what Mm -hmm. it is right like what is the deal and that's the whole fun of this movie is like waiting for the reveal of like the actual deal of what her deal is yeah and so she big you know goes to the bank she has a joint account and she like rule like reads everybody in that in that bank who tries to like question anything about what she's doing too which is great she gets home and the leasing agent uh, mrs hallett comes in barreling into her space very similarly like we said to her son frank um and she we find out is very judgmental um anti-semitic like she says things in this in this moment um, that you realize oh, she is not a great person either. And now you realize why her son is probably such a piece of shit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, she, um, you know, wants to know what's going on. She's very nosy, but she's also doing her due diligence because she hasn't actually spoken with the man of the house, um, Rin's father, um, Mr. Jacobs, who's supposed to be a poet, Lester Jacobs. That, um, And so um, she's asking questions, you know, wants to know. Um, of what's going on and and you know Rin is sitting there learning Hebrew she's you know learning another language like she's doing all kinds of stuff that like a normal 13 year old is probably not hanging out and doing necessarily um, unless she's trying to practice for a, a you know bat mitzvah or something I don't know but like she's yeah. just like learning languages practicing poetry doing all kinds of things that are just like above her her age and status and she keeps deferring about, oh, my dad's in the studio or my dad's asleep or why you can't see him. And the adults are, are getting, you know, increasingly, increasingly suspicious about it. But, you know, she stands up for herself so well where, you know, she's like, she keeps saying like, you're just a kid. You're just 13. She's like, 13 means I have no rights. Is that it? Like, I can't stand up for myself. This is my house. Get out. Like, you're the leasing agent, but you have to do what I say because I've less leased your house. Right. I think that's interesting, too. Like, I love that. Um that question of, you know, what makes a person a person, like what mm-hmm. denotes personhood. Um, I think this is, uh, you know, especially smack dab in 1976, this is a big question, I think, of women's rights and like who has autonomy over themselves. And I think, you know, that is something about, you know, being a child where you, you kind of have to do whatever your parents or adults around you tell you. Mm-hmm. But if the adults around you are nefarious or dodgy in this case, 
do you want to do what they tell you? No. No. So it's like, you know, when when do you need to stand up for yourself? So I really like the questions this film asks as far as like personhood and autonomy and agency mm -hmm. and especially watching it, I think, in the midst of the political situation in the greater Americas at the moment, you know, it's like very much a question of like, OK, like if someone like this guy were to attack this child. Mm -hmm. And they were to make her carry this child like, oh, my God. Like, anyway, I that all of that crossed my mind. Yeah, of course. And, you know, the mom says to her, like, don't, if don't let him in by himself. So she knows that like, like, I'm not aware. Yeah. He came inside on his own. Mm hmm. Uh, so Rin, so, so she, you know, they get into a, 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 a fuss uh, and Mrs. Hallett says she's going to, why are you not in school? And she's like, I'm homeschooled. And she's like, oh, we'll see about that. I'm going to go down to the school board. So the, we have a meeting on, uh, I forget which day she says. She uh, says Rin, Monday. And mm -hmm. Rin's like, okay, I'm going to go down to the school board and just like make sure she's telling the truth because she's really going to do this. And she totally was lying about the day that it's like Rin's so far ahead of everybody. It's like, she's all like, right, oh, she, I see you lady. She calls her bluff. Yep. She yeah. basically reads it out, talks to a lady down at the library at the school and she's like no there's no meeting then that's it's on these days and this day and she's like oh okay great good to know uh so we meet our our cop uh who is there to uh she just runs into him walking outside uh, of the school board uh who who offers to take her home and um seems like a cool cop right like he seems like a chill guy uh you know very sweet it, very it, mayberry uh, moment this guy uh, yeah and he <laughs> talks about how the folks seem cold at first but once you've been here longer they seem even colder which is great but she straight out asks him is is mr hallett a pervert and he kind yeah. of gives her the look where he's like eh, i don't want to say it out loud but him but yeah. yeah he's got a got a track record everyone in the town i think knows and it's probably one of those things i'm comfortable for him because it's a, probably a payoff situation right where like he should be in jail they've clearly clawed him doing things but because the woman kind of owns the town they can't it's that, yeah. you know, small town. Uh, everyone loves a bribe, right? Um, so Cora comes in again. Uh, why is why Rin does not start locking her door after Martin Sheen bursts in the first time? I think time? she does, but Cora has has keys because she is the lease person and, right. she, and she's renting the place. So her, she does keep locking the door, I think. <laughs> Goodness. But anyhow, um, yeah. yeah uh, so they have to talk about... Uh, you know, she's trying to find tries her to mess with her lease and yeah. stuff too. She basically threatens her is like, if I don't speak to your dad, like I can basically kick you out of here. And she's like, I have a three year, we signed a three year lease. What do you mean? Like I, she meant to live here, you know, definitely basically. Right. Um, and they've and already so, paid, they've already paid it. So it's she's it's if she leaves, like all that money is gone. And she tries to go into the cellar and, um, we're not sure what she wants out of there, but Rin makes a big stand to try to keep her from going in there. And I'm like, ooh, something is in there that mm -hmm. she doesn't want them to see. Yeah. Um, and so that he she's she says, well, you know, she says that her father's in the study, but, you know, when he's working, he can never be disturbed. So Mrs. House like, well, I'm just going to go in the study. Uh, and she says, if you go in the study, I'll tell my father about your son. And they're like, oh, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. And she says, well, I'll tell you your son gives candy to pretty little girls and she slaps her across the face uh, in such a moment because it's so straightforward. And, you know, Jodie Foster delivers it with such power that she knows she has over her and she's just telling it completely straight. And I think uh, Mrs. Hallis used to be revered in this town, right? And this is something she's not used to pertinence from anybody, let alone this 13-year-old girl. Uh, and it's, uh, she just, she slaps her and then it's just, your jelly glasses, Mrs. Hallett, just so monotone and so good. And you're like, just get out of my fucking house. It's astounding. Every every yeah, inch of this performance is like 
It's so good because it. They're such they're such formidable like adversaries too because I mean Alexa Smith is just I mean she's got a body of work behind her as well too I mean this is like she's a powerhouse of an actress who's been working mm-hmm. worked forever um, I realized I was like why do I know her and I was like because I watched her a lot on Love Boat um, ah. <laughs> as a kid she was a, a regular guest on Love Boat a lot but she has a whole body of work obviously before this she's been working since like the forties and stuff so I mean she's got this gravitas to her that and you don't that- want to mess with Mrs Hallett either but the fact that it's like. Jodie freaking Foster holds her own against her, you know, like it's against it's her, a, it's a against Martin force. Sheen, like mm-hmm. no problem, you know, on Not that same all. level. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so she wants to, she eventually goes down into the basement and goes when sees what she sees uh, and screams. And again, this, this death, not Jodie Foster's fault. Uh, nope, she just it was an accident. She, it was an accident. She just uh, bonks her head on the door as it comes down, and she is down for the count. So then there's that moment of like, oh fuck! So whatever was down in the basement, now we have added plus two. Oh goodness, what happens next? Yeah, it's a it's it's a moment. So, but all of a sudden, um, there's a kid out there uh, riding his bicycle around, little dopey kind of kid. Um, he is a magician and the true uh, uh, tradition of cool kids around the world um, yeah. about to go do some magic for a party. Um, but he seems to be a kid who might know too much very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but he becomes an ally with our dear little Rin. We have Mario, the magician. Who, um, who to me, just a poor man's Keith Gordon, right? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I was like, oh, it should just be Keith Garden and it'd be great. But, you know, the kid's like not quite as charming, not quite as handsome. Like he's almost kind of there. But, he but forces I think it. that's the point. Yeah, <laughs> I think it is too. And he is adorable, yeah. you know, and he has his little magician outfit on and who doesn't look handsome in a magician outfit. Uh, but there's the issue of Mrs. Hallett's car, which is very big and very expensive and very, very noticeable. Everybody in the town knows that car. It's the flashiest car. It's like a Bentley. It's gorgeous. Like a vintage Bentley. It is stunning. And uh, uh, but he yeah. realizes what's happened immediately. And he is on board and he's like, oh, well, everybody fucking hates Mrs. Hallett. Like, you want me to help you like hide her murder on board? Like this cute kid. A, I get to like fuck up, fuck over the like the town bitch. B, he wins in every scenario there. Yeah, he asked no questions. Like, I don't want to know what, what happened, but I'll help you get rid of the car, basically, after after some coaxing. Um, and so he, um, you know, helps get rid of the car, gets it back to in front of her real estate offices, basically back in town. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, in the midst of things, they form a form a bond and they're flirting and he's doing magic tricks and, you know, um, they're building a friendship. But they're going to get a visit back again from Frank Hallett because we can never get enough of Martin Sheen chewing scenery. And so he's got to come back in. <laughs> he just um, like and- bursts into the room like the fucking Kool-Aid man every time. Right. He's just like in that room, owning that room. You're like, Jesus, man, you're too much. Back off. You know, it's like the like the epitome of like guys who overspread on the subway. Like he's just like you know what I mean. They're like like if that was a person, like yeah. you know what I mean. They're like that's yeah. what it is. He's just like mm, every room. You're like, even if the room is like a bajillion like feet wide, like it would always feel crowded with him in the room. This mm-hmm. character, yeah, it doesn't matter how much space he's going to take all of it and leave you but a crumb of corner in the room, and that's exactly what it feels like every time he comes in, and so. He just um, 
is such an aggressor. So he comes in and we've met earlier. Um, Rin has a little hamster named Gordon and he's super cute. And that's her little, that's her only friend basically. And so she's very protective of him, but freaking Frank comes and grabs that little, little hamster. And basically this is so awful trigger warning, um, content warning, like animal cruelty moment, but he gets like a, his cigarette, um, one of the cigarettes that he knows um, Rin is not really smoking um, and burns the freaking hamster and squeezes it and throws it in a fire. Yeah, it's 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 awful. Uh, and we get, um, you know, and it's just as if, you know, it isn't bad enough that this guy's a pedophile. Like he's also just a monster. Racist. Every, yeah. Ableist. Yeah. Just he's like all the isms and isist and all that stuff that you can be. He is encapsulated anti-Semitic. So he's just saying all kinds of things. And then like, you know, against like um, because um, Mario's family is Italian, he's just using all these like Italian slurs and stuff, right. too. It is a hot mess. So he basically gets in a fight with um, with this kid right. um, because he's upset that a, he's in the space because he wanted to come and try to take advantage of her. Uh-huh. Um, and so um, the magic man fights back, though, because he's got some tricks up his sleeve. Dun, dun, dun. He does. As it's not just a regular old cane, we find out that that cane has got a sword inside. Yeah, and they they have a, a pretty good battle, which is which is awesome. But they also have a conversation in which Frank asks Mario, "Don't you want Rin?" And like it becomes this thing where they're fighting over her, which mm-hmm. is kind of gross on both angles. I mean, mm-hmm. I would say Mario's probably sixteen or so. Yeah. Um, but even so you're like, mm, but there, and she does ask, I think we were talking about this just a little bit, but what I think is the, the most important question or sentence in the movie, uh, how old do you have to be before people start treating you like a person? Yep. And I think that that's really the crux of what this movie is, which I think is, uh, it, it doesn't need to be, there doesn't need to be a horror movie with that statement, but I like that we have this one because it's never really something that you see young people in horror movies all the time, but it, it, it never comes to this sort of, because this movie's so small, which I love mm-hmm. about it. And it's just, you know, mm-hmm. focusing on this one person. Um, it's so great. So the sword cane for the win, uh, they mm-hmm. end up going down into the basement and we find out what's been going on. Yeah. This is the confession moment. And we've been wondering like what's been in the basement and, what's happening and and Rin has has a story to tell um about her father and her mother and why she is alone now in the home and uh, it's a doozy it is quite a doozy indeed indeed we find out that her father became terminally ill um and so but she was so smart that he knew that they could have this ploy where we would say that dad's in the study, dad's asleep, but actually dad is dead, but she's living by herself and they had worked out money wise. That's why the rent's paid in advance. She can get traveler's checks and everything's fine. And again, you know, it's a very dubious plan, right? She should definitely have adult help, but as a character, she's so smart. You're like, yeah, she could pull that off. That would be no problem. The problem is, is she moved to a fucking nosy little like New England town where everybody knows everybody's business, right? You go to New York City, no one's going to notice, right? No one like, that- even notice. Yeah, they wouldn't even like the landlord wouldn't even stop by. Do you know no. what I mean? Though, like, definitely this is not. one of those places where people like literally, like you said, everyone knows everyone's name. Everyone knows everyone's business. You, everyone knows who's good, who's bad. And they're still trying to size her up. And she, it's a very judgmental space, um, which I think is is pretty accurate sometimes in some of these like old, you know, you know, older established communities 
where the the pecking order is already very established. And so if you don't know, we don't know where to put you in that, we're going to keep assessing you till we figure out which lane we're going to put you in. Sure. Um, and so they've been trying to put her in this lane, but without her father as a gauge, which is what they really would like, it, it's impossible. Right. And I think that it's, I think that they've rented the house to her because her father's famous. Yeah, that's why. Oh, they so. did. They all and they all want access to him, so they all want to meet him. So, mm-hmm. of course, the curiosity. Even people who are not into poetry, like, um, you know, Ron uh, Mario's uncle, who's the police officer. They're like he, and he's like, yeah, I don't actually read poetry, but you know, it's kind of a big deal though to meet like this famous poet, right? So it's yeah. just, you know, yeah. So her father, one part of the plan is that they know that uh, her mother might come sniffing around. Uh, and so he gave her cyanide in which to kill her mother if her mother came around. So it's interesting because we don't get very much about Rin's mother at all, right? All we get is the, the mom, he, they don't like her. We don't know why. She's done something awful, right? Awful right. enough that you would want to kill her, which is pretty fucking intense. So yeah. the, the first body we had, in uh in the basement was mom uh yep. and then mrs hallett very soon after joined yep. very nice and so and now they're mom- wondering and like and even mario's like how did you keep her from stinking though like it doesn't smell like don't bodies decay and she's like well we did some stuff to like preserve the body like i understand that like she knows science like yeah she she, he's like how'd you know like, she's like lot. I looked it up in the library. Like, yeah. Duh. That's how you that. learn like, that stuff. Today would be like, we Googled it. Like I figured yeah. out how to embalm. It's fine. Like she's good. No, and no so big deal. it's like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, um, you know, he, they, he tells, she confesses all this to Mario. So now he's really in on like what's going on. And so they eventually throw the key, um, for the, for Mrs. Hallett's car out into the ocean. So no one can ever find it in the house. And they end up burying her body as well in the garden. Um, in the, in the middle of a rainstorm. And so Mario's out there too long and he's got a history of, of um, disability and he um, grew up, he had polio as a child. So he's got a limp and he's, you know, got some other, some other health issues that seem like that's kind of stemmed from that. So him being out in the cold in this New England cold in the rain, um, bearing a dead body, probably not the best for him. And he seems to be very cold and like he might be getting sick. Um, but she warms him up by the fire and they have a little moment. And I'm just like, ah, yeah. Um, but where she's like, uh, mm-hmm. giving him a bath and tucking him in and like, I can get in with you. And have you ever done it? And you're like, Ugh. yeah, it's, you know, it's hard because like, it's this issue where you look at her here, you look at her in taxi driver, right? Where she's like, she's 12 and she's like a teenage prostitute. And there's this thing like, and there is this kind of knowledge about her that she seems knowledgeable and she seems wise but she's you just also she's just a fucking kid right so like this kind of thing i think if they had made mario more her age like mm-hmm. just aging down just a little i don't I mean like 13 year olds having sex is dubious anyway but on screen i mean it happens i'm not saying it doesn't people do it younger mm-hmm. who fucking knows uh mm-hmm. it just it makes me less uncomfortable than it would if it was Martin Sheen, but it still makes me a little uncomfortable. 100%. 100%. Um, and is it supposed to, though? Or am I, I mean, because I am rooting for them, but I'm also like, mm, it feels Well, slight. they're just both like misfits in this weird New England town. So you feel like they, if they're, anybody's going to be together and they're both smarter than like the adults. Do you know what I mean, though? So like, yeah. that's like kind of like the, the people who are older than them. Like, that's kind of the stand in this movie, right? Is like they're able, if they team up, to really like, maybe get some things done or like live a life that they want and we um, do actually get nudity mm-hmm. that is that yeah. is clearly not her thank goodness yeah uh, but you're like oh okay it's going there yeah it's going to these places yeah. um yeah. so they uh the cop shows up 
uh, after they uh, they bonk and he uh, Mario leaves, um, and she spins this kind of drug addict story with her dad and like what's going on, and she's just she's uh, she sells very- it. She sells it really well. I mean, basically, like you know, she needs to give plausible deniability about why her her dad is not ever able to come to the door. And yeah. so I think it's actually really well done of just talking about like the poet's conundrum of like, okay, he's a poet, like all these famous poets that we know of too, a lot of them suffered from very distinct, you know, different mental health issues and stuff like that too, that have been very well documented. So she basically is like, he's in the vein of that. Like you don't ask a child to go in and, you know, disrupt somebody that might like explode on them you know, so, or like, you know, or, or be abusive in some sort of way. So the way she paints him is basically like, Hey, I cannot disturb him when he's in his, like when he's doing his work, it just doesn't work that way. He's a monster. Like I can't do this. And so I think she does a really good job of like making a story um, sure. work for her. But you're, and you're, so, you're mm-hmm. seeing that the cops not buying it and the cops like, okay, okay, okay. But let me just go in. And you're just like, it's not, so it's becoming a uh, very tense. Well, he thinks he might have a different response if he goes in. Do you know what I mean though? It's sure. that also that thing of like, Hey, this person tells you this, is how this person interacts but because you're a child i'm never gonna believe you i still want to go verify this myself and it's like well just it's your own funeral dude if you go in there yeah so suddenly dad shows dad's there in his little smoking jacket and is like you know looking unwell but looking okay uh and is good enough to fool said cop into thinking that he's already seen dad now we've we've seen him and we give him a thumbs up but who is dad? And he gets really? an autograph and even the little touches he does. But we all know that it's Mario mm-hmm. pulling one over on his uncle Ron. So if he's good enough to fool his own uncle and his own family, probably going to be a good enough ruse if they need to. Yes. So that that is good. And Mario is now he she is so happy he has helped her. And now we think like everything's going to be fine, except uh, then he gets pneumonia and has to go to the hospital. Yeah. And it's winter. And so the snow is here. It's all quiet and he's not doing well after everything. Um, He ends up saying stuff while he's asleep, like he's delirious and on drugs. And that could be a bad thing, too, if he says too much while he's in a delirious state with pneumonia in the hospital. Um, But um, Officer Ron comes and and gets Rin um, and takes her to the hospital so she can go see him and um, she has the saddest milkshake and burger right after this. I know she gives him like a really alone. sad speech and yeah, and then sits there and like, oh, you're not going to eat a bite of that kid. Just looking uh-uh. so miserable. Uh, yeah. So when we go, here we go for the coup de gras coming up here, the big finale. She goes home to her empty house and then so she, she thinks Gordon is gone. Her house looks very, very empty and very sad and it's way too quiet. Because someone's waiting for you in the basement. Uh, He finds Mr. Hallett is there waiting. He finds a hairpin and a red fingernail and knows the jig is up, has figured out the game. Uh, So he comes to, you know, and they have this tete-a-tete, right, where they're just at each other's throats. I mean, he like, he reaches down her nightgown to get the key out. Like, it's just, he's really pushing it. And so he's- He's overstepping, yeah. Yeah, and he's basically saying, hey, okay, so you and me get together and then I will tell anybody and you get to live here. And like, that's the game we're going to play for the next three years. So, okay. So she goes into the kitchen. Uh, She's got that cyanide handy. Yeah. We know she knows how to poison because uh, we learned that earlier in the movie. Thank you. And so she makes some tea um, and brings it out to share with him. But he, of course, aha, does the princess bride move of like, aha, I shall not drink from this cup. You should drink from this cup. And I shall drink from this cup. The Iocane powder yeah. um, uh, moment, basically. And uh, well, 
again, we all know this child is smarter than everyone in the room. Yeah, and... she outsmarts him. She knows that she's he's going to do that. She's like, okay, I put in my cup, and then he's going to say he wants my cup because why would I drink out of that cup? And then I kill him, and everything's fine. This movie goes so hard, you guys, that the end of this movie is Rin's face close up watching him die. Die. And, like, the pleasure she's getting from watching him die because she knows she's doing something good for the world by taking him out and like all the horrible things that it's hard that ending i was like damn just her fucking face watching him die she's like bye pedophile bye yeah Yeah. as he and he even tries to like last line her like oh like you're so beautiful or some bs or whatever the heck he's trying to say to her while he's like coughing and like dying it's 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 uh this film uh rocked my socks i thought this movie was rad i loved how hard it went and i was it, it really the 70s goes harder than any any like i'm like the 70s, the 70s all bets are was off a time they were like america 200 years old let's do this like it's like it was insane 76 like the things that came out around this time um and the fact that all the stuff that she did that year is just it still boggles my mind i cannot mm-hmm. believe that lineup of films um and all of them each one hard in their own way you know what we i mean no, just do, like we should do a a a movie night where we like we watch a day where we watch all four of those back all to of back. Them. I would 100% do that and like do but them we'd in have order. to like happily... it would have to be taxi driver first get that out of the way that like, that's the most yep. hard right and then yep. you go here yep. uh, and then you go Freaky Friday then you go Bugsy Malone Bugsy Malone yeah I think so and with Bugsy yeah. okay yeah so so want to end with the musical you always want to end with music oh. um when you're doing a lineup it's it's the way to go people want to leave 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 a show with a song. But how about we do some gore factor, Julie? Will you do gore factor for us? For I would. I would love to. I would also love to see a musical of this movie. Can I just say that? Uh, it would oh. be kind of cool. Okay. Uh, one, gore factor. Not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two is a puddle of blood. Three is enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four is a bathtub of blood. And five is run for the barf bag. This movie is not a gory one. We give it a one and nope. not enough blood to fill the Dixie cup. Uh, we get some poisonings and we do see a lady's head get cracked when she gets hit by the cellar door uh but with that is all we get so we have a one for gore uh but as we know just because it isn't just because it isn't gory doesn't mean it isn't great Uh, correct and doesn't mean it isn't like terribly scary and creepy um movie ratings chainsaws one if you're desperate two barely qualifies as a horror film three seen worse seen better four not too shabby five fantastical i give this movie a five the acting is so good and creepy and honestly i can't stop thinking about it and it's just like Ooh, Jodie freaking Foster. That's all I'm going to say. Like, yeah. she's amazing. Yeah, amazing. I, give it a f- I give it a five as well, solely on her performance, because yep. I it, it kept me astounded at every turn. Uh, I can't imagine being the casting director, just like having her watch it, walk in and be like, wow, sold, done. End of story. Yeah, and I didn't you know? know exactly how it was going to turn or how it was going to play out. I didn't know what oh, was going to happen. Do you know what I thought it was? Um, I thought it was for a long time in this movie that she was a grown-up in a child's body. Because when she came out that first time in that caftan, I'm like, that looks like an old lady dress. What is she wearing like that she's for? A she's grandma. 13. Yeah. yeah, that she had like been alive for hundreds of years, but she's in this like 13-year-old girl's body. Uh-huh. That's what I thought the ploy was. Um, uh, so I was like, okay. I thought there was more of like a supernatural kind of thing. Got um, it. I could see that. Question, mm-hmm. uh, how do you survive this movie? I think uh, not being nosy is how you survive this movie. Yeah, those nosy ass people, all of them died, right? Mm-hmm. Anybody who was too nosy was gone, right? Yeah. Or didn't or didn't buy the ruse. So I think you gotta give her her space and just you treat people like 
humans. <laughs> yeah, even thirteen-year-old girls, right? Mm-hmm. Is this is the mm-hmm. this, this whole case for 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 humans? I mean, honestly, like they probably I don't know what CPS situation was at this point, but I probably would have had to call CPS. Like I wouldn't have been like a nosy neighbor lady. Also, like once you realize like the sun was going to be an issue, like be like, don't make sure you're just. I would just make sure your son doesn't go over to that house. Do you know what I mean, though? Like, if I was the, if I was Mrs. Hallett, I'd be like, just make sure my son Frank doesn't ever, like, even she's, she tried to put the onus on the child to keep yeah. him out of the house. And I was like, lady, that's your job. You're yeah. his mama. Like, you created this monster. Like, right. you need to go take care of that. But this is, we have an interesting, and I think, uh, you know, we just talked about the Fury not too long ago, not talking about this. And it's like, I think we have in both of those films, killers who you sympathize with. Like at mm-hmm. the end when she's killing him, I'm like, yeah, fucking kill him. I like watching your face liking it because he deserves to die. You're on her side the whole time. Like, I don't know what mom's deal was. I don't know if mom yeah. deserved to die. Like we assume she did. But right. the other two, I'm like, yeah, I'm on your side, man. And so mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting, I don't think you get that in horror movies too often. This no, kind of like sympathetic yeah. killer where you're like, yeah, yeah, fucking kill him. Where it um, seems like ju- justified kills in that way. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, so next week, we're going to be talking about a movie. I'm very excited about this. So we mm-hmm. have talked about it, I would say, in preparation for uh, next week, we had talked about it a few months ago, uh, however long, years ago. Uh, mind boggles, five years. Uh, we did an episode on Session 9, which is a, a fantastic horror movie that we highly recommend you check out because next week, we're going to be talking about Vilmark 2 or Vilmark Asylum, Asylum, which is a Norwegian remake of Session 9, which I am so excited to watch i thought that's gonna go hard i'm so scared i, I know you're so. excited i am terrified because that type of gore like when horror we talked about this like mental health horror is like one of the most dubious it, it freaks me out to no end just knowing like how far we've come i'm very grateful um in mental health but i still feel like we got some work to do mm-hmm. especially just as you know just anyway the 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 things people people used to do in in the name of of helping people uh that didn't necessarily help terrifying so i'm very scared but also happy to watch it with you thank you Um, and and we can talk about it so that i will be less scared that's great Uh, i guess i just feel like (laughs) session nine is such a small movie that it surprises me that there was an international remake and usually it goes the other way right like norwegian goes to american instead of the other way so it'll be very cool so thank you for listening we are on all of your internet places we love to talk to you we always answer questions if you have anything you'd love to talk to us about this episode we would love to hear from you uh if you listen uh and like us and, and then support us we are on patreon we also have a teespring and we adore you listeners because we have so much fun talking about movies i hope that comes through in our voices and we love that you love to listen to us talk because we'd be doing it anyway really we would but we're glad you're along for the ride so thank you for joining us we'll it's see like y'all hanging, again next like, week yeah it's just like hanging out with terry and julia this is really what it's like it's really not any i know people told us that they're like that's kind of what you guys are like i was like yep yeah. this we just added some microphones and some and some recording mm-hmm. equipment around us but it's what we normally do so <laughs> <laughs> um it's awesome thank you guys so much you have a great week and we'll see you again real soon thanks bye thank you for listening Horror Movie Survival Guide is independently produced by Terry Gamble, Julia Marchesi, and Sierra Ryan. Hey, that's me. If you would like to support the show, find us on patreon.com slash horrormoviesurvivalguide.